All right, boys, how are we doing? This is a bit of a, a bit of a weird way to do it. I'm nervous as shit because I have to do this in front of a camera, which you know we've done before. But there's usually a video game running in the background, so um, I've got a spreadsheet here. I'm going to need this spreadsheet um, just just to help me out because this is wow. Right, so past, present, future. Let's start at the very beginning. Uh, it's been what two, three years since I've sort of you know, quit that game. Um, and it's been it's been a really interesting journey. So to take you back to 2019, 2019 was a was a big year for me because uh, two things happened. I chose a career or a profession, and number two, I started working on myself. I think towards the very end of 2019, not so much, but 2020 was sort of the beginning. So I begin work um, in this. It's basically the largest catering company that we have in Slovenia. And it was my sort of eye-opener for the business. Um, I really, really enjoyed working there. And I worked in three different locations they had. Um, the last one I thought I was going to actually stick to up until last week. Now, what you have to understand is, is that the, the world of culinary or gastronomy or whatever you want to call it is a world that requires constant learning. Right. I guess it's sort of like War Thunder in the sense that, you know, there's a new patch that comes out and you've got to get got to get the hang of it. So I was posed in front of this really, really, really important question, which was, do I do I stay with them? Do I go and try something completely different? Or do I veer off into a into an unknown? Sort of like in the movie Mr. Nobody, where it's a it's a really good movie. People should watch that. Uh, Jared Leto, um, where he basically has to make a choice as a kid, stay with his dad, go with his mum on the train, or run away. Now, as things stand at the moment, um, I'm basically taking a one-month hiatus. I've applied for a very, very particular job, which I'm quite excited about. I get to know the answers about that at the end of October. And until then, I thought, I'd give myself some leeway, uh, work on my thesis, and actually, I yeah, do an occasional stream. Um, I'll get to the questions in the chat a little bit later because I wanted to get these things out of the way immediately because it's just so much easier to chat. So I was in this workplace for, I want to say, a year and a couple of months. A year and a couple of months I was in this spot. And basically what was happening is that back in, in June, I got a phone call from my boss, my, my head chef, and he said, hey, you know, I see that you're you're trying real hard. I'd like to offer you a position of sous chef, uh, me and another guy. And I was, on one hand, I was flattered, but the other hand, I was really confused because I know that you, you can't just, you know, grow so quickly. I, I, I would say for myself, I need about five years of experience before I can get to a position of sous chef. If you don't know what sous chef is, sous chef is basically you have head chef, sous chef, uh, chef de parties, so meat prep, fish prep, sauce prep. That's the classic French brigade consistent. So I get this phone call, and I'm thinking, man, this is a wonderful opportunity. And I was dating this girl at the time, and obviously she was proud of me and everything, and, and I start working really hard. Right? So month of July goes by, and my friend had his uh, so-called testing phase, and he gets promoted to the position. And August comes around, and it's supposed to be my testing phase, and there's no communication between me or the head chef or the bosses. And I was starting to get a little bit fishy. I was starting to get a little bit worried. 
Um, and we ended up having a, a meeting among all the bosses for pay raise. So basically all the people that work, everybody who's there came in and they started doing the, the sort of conversation about, you know, who's going to do what, how much cash is going to be flowing out. And I have my chat and the big boss doesn't want to talk about money. I was being a little bit confused and, you know, all sorts of red flags were coming off and I was feeling like I was put into this position where I'm being promised something that might not fully, fully pledge out. Um, the time comes, I finally get my supposed agreement, right? So like my first proper employment, there it is. And I'm looking at the numbers and something doesn't add up, right? They're offering two different types of pay, I'm not happy with the numbers. So I go in the back and me and the kid, we start chatting numbers. We start looking at the actual, you know, opportunities because there's two different agreements. And we come to a conclusion that it's just not worth it, that I'm being offered the same amount of money that was being given to a guy that came three months ago, right? And has less responsibility and, and, and less capability and just generally doesn't give much of a fuck. I, I don't blame him, not for that money. So I made a decision on the spot that what I was going to do is going to talk to the big boss and we're going to have a little bit of a discussion. And from that point on, I think the communication among the people who work there started to really fall quite drastically. So what we did is everybody in the kitchen put their heads together and we started to sort of come up with some stuff that we wanted to talk about, right? All the things that were bothering us. Um, and it all too much reminded me of the time when me and a bunch of content creators and, and, and top-end players in Waltham that tried to communicate to Gaijin, right? We, Because I remember being, this was in Greece, 2000, I want to say it was 2016, but I was in Greece with my family at the time trying to leech off of the the hotel's free Wi-Fi in the lobby, having a Discord chat with some of the moderators at Gaijin. We were trying to put this, you know, not huge, but a relatively large file, um, a couple of pages long, of just some fundamental stuff that we'd like to change. And we were hitting deaf ears. And I was feeling like I was in this exact same spot again, albeit in a more, you know, realistic live experience. So the big boss comes, we're having the discussion, and I can just tell it's not going to go anywhere. You know, they're talking about um, general general management of of a food business and how they have to bring money in because of the COVID and negatives here and negatives there. And then the guy calls me out to have a little bit of a communication with me, a little bit of chat. <laughs> and he accuses me of discussing my pay grade with other people. And this is where I snapped. This is where I was like, look, sorry, honey, but, um, you know, whom I talk about, my pay with is 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 my thing, and there's not a goddamn thing you can say about it. Um, you know, we got into that argument, and I, 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 I was like immediately, like there's no point staying here. Um, the the food world is too vast, it's too open. Um, and for the past couple of days, I was actually looking on Netflix. There's this um, brilliant, brilliant show called Chef's Table, and they were doing a whole series on pizza. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like. That's it, you know. If I go back to the culinary world in a month's time, I go to a pizza place, a, a top of the line pizza place. Um, work with dough, work with uh, you know Italian ingredients, learn some new skills, right? Meet some new people. Um, I started taking life a little bit differently, in the sense that, you know, when when one door opens, uh, when one door closes, another one opens. You don't have to necessarily feel like uh, like an opportunity was closed behind you. So. Um, so that was basically the experience that I went through. And at the moment, I'm entering this sort of feeling of, of, of monk mode 
almost. I just want to close some of the stuff down. I want to reduce the amount of things that I'm involved in and focus primarily, number one, on me, um, my physical and mental health, because this year saw me go through a lot of sicknesses. There was a lot of like um, ruffling and, and, and stuff. And I feel, and I might be wrong in this, right? I'm not a spiritual person and stuff like that, but I do feel that your body physically tells you what's wrong and your body mentally tells you what's wrong. Um, these two work in correlation. Back when I was in my most, uh, this was really well explained in that, you know, how gaming addiction saved my life. Um, I always felt like physical pain could replace mental pain, right? That it was sort of superior in, in some regard. But I feel like when your body feels physical pain, there's some sort of source that can be related or correlated to, you know, a mental outcome or a mental source. And so what I've noticed, funnily, when I was looking back at my life, I had, um, had three major relationships. And every time the, the relationship ended, it wasn't so much that, you know, that the other person did something wrong or that I did something wrong. Um, but factually, there was something I had to change about my life. Right, and it could be this could be anything, um, you know. Uh, the first relationship, for example, really influenced the whole growth of Twitch. You know, I found this uh, this community here, and, and it all sort of started. And it was amazing to see how you could turn the energy that initially is sort of negative into something extremely, extremely positive. Uh, the second relationship saw me actually choose culinary world. And this third relationship, which ended recently, funnily enough, I'm still not entirely sure if it was a good idea. But I think um, it, it was sort of a, a balance between end the relationship or end the job you're working at because they both cannot exist at the same time due to the schedule, due to the work hours. Um, but again, that's something I'm going to be listening over the course of the next month or so. Um, the triple C, this, was, this is an interesting one. So I've written down some goals for 2023 because this year for me, 2022 was sort of a weird year. Um, I feel like I didn't get much done, um, not where I wanted to, and mainly it's, for example, cycling. Cycling is one of the C's that I that I love doing in, in my life, and the problem that I feel is when you're working weekends and you're working 12 hours a day, long hours, you don't get the time, not necessarily to train, but to actually attend races. And so being on the mountain bike, all the races are happening on you know, Sundays usually, and you're working on Sundays, unlucky, can't compete. So I would dearly love to have a work schedule or a schedule in general that allows to go to competitions, that allows for that competitive side. Because what I felt I was missing, and I still am, is the thrill, right? Now, back when I was gaming, the thrill came from duels. The thrill came from, um, you know, sort of, grinding almost you could say because you know when you're working that top one percent trying to be like the most efficient player or whatever that sort of contributes to that um number two is cooking and i felt like if i was going to stay where i was i was not going to progress i was going to stagnate right so stagnation is where you, you sort of you know you start growing we gotta do this the other way so you start growing growing and then you just stay at a certain level and that sucks. It sucks seeing that you're not getting better and better and better. Now, inevitably, there is a cap. There is a ceiling. You can't just, you know, this this idea that, um, what is that expression they always use? You know, sky's the limit. Well, not, not really, right? Ceiling is the limit. But um, 
And the third one was funny enough, it was chess. I don't know why, but I, I found it streaming. The only thing that I could still do that was entertaining enough was actually streaming chess. It was going out there. And, you know, you're able to play music. You're able to still kind of challenge your brain um, and do something a little bit different. So towards the end of the stream, I hope that we can put together a schedule, a schedule for the next week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. And I can do a mixture of these chats. We're going to do a little bit of Q&A. We're going to collect some, uh, obviously, this is going to go on YouTube as soon as we finish. Um, people are going to ask some questions there. And those questions will hopefully be addressed in the next episode. And then if this gets any kind of traction whatsoever, I'd also love to have people on, have conversations, um, you know, dwell into everything from cryptocurrency, which I'm quite interested in. That's the third. That's actually, it's it's not the triple C, it's the quadruple C. I have to add uh, cryptocurrency. That as of recently, got very, very, very into cryptocurrency. I'm interested where it's going to go. And um, yeah. Focus on the journey, not the destination. Thank you, Psychotrick. This is a really, really good point to make. Focus on the journey, not the destination. This is, I see this, so many people make this mistake, which is sort of, um, you know, focusing on, I guess this would be also a good argument for career versus job, right? Because every job, so every career is a job, but not every job is a career, right? Because a career is something greater than a job. A career is you saying, I'm going to stay in this field and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, you could say that a career could be being a gamer, you know, theoretically speaking. Um, but the journey is very, very important, and you have to enjoy the journey. If you if you're going to do something, hate the journey just so you can get to a goal. It's ultimately it's going to be quite disappointing. Um, but I think what we're also paying is is the short dopamine release. All these things that you know, TikTok videos, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, pornography. Reddit, all this stuff, it gives you constant, constant dopamine. And we're sort of influenced by the idea that you have to go and you have to get quick dopamine and that's going to be good for you. It's not necessarily the case. And I feel like life becomes unrewarding to a certain extent, you know, and, and you can see this in so many things. Um, at a certain range, uh, point in my life, Wolfen that became uninteresting, that became unrewarding. It was like no matter how much more tanks I was going to unlock or how many more planes I was going to spade or how many more skins I was going to grind, it didn't feel like I was adding to, to a thing, like I was adding to this greatness. There's even a point that I could make in dating. It comes to a level where it's like, I don't even want to date women anymore because it, it became boring because it's just, oh, it's just another date. It's, it's not going to go anywhere, right? Might get laid, might not it no no passion evolved no yeah so the thing that's that's always been triggering me deep under deep in that noggin somewhere was this idea that whatever you do has to contribute something so that when you finish the journey and you enjoy the journey and you reach the destination and you look back you've not left a wake of destruction but rather you've left something nice and I always say this what means so much to me is when people reached out to me on, on Instagram years years after they were like hey dude you know you helped me get over anxiety or you helped me get over depression even if it's saving one person that means the world but that's a, it's a really strong gesture to say and I want to experience that again that's sort of the problem I always want to experience that and I was playing this idea 
yesterday when I was uh, putting together the, the elephant video, which I, I did quite quickly, I didn't put much effort into it, not going to lie, it was a bit of a spur of the moment. I played with this idea, I've played with this idea for so long, it must have been like two months now that I've played with the idea of returning to War Thunder for one month. I was playing with this theory of just coming back, making content, being controversial, almost to the level of like, dare I say it, Andrew Tate, right? Like I was, I was thinking, go back and just make drama, right? Drama on the highest level, just to get attention. And then when the one month is over and you've got all these eyes on you, then cut the line and say, look, um, I'm actually just fucking around and I'm realistically here because I want to help young men get out of that cesspool of gaming addictions and short dopamine releases and, and short video format and do something more contributive towards something better. But that's a really, really difficult thing to do. And I felt like ultimately I was going to walk this journey for a month, look back, see the wake of destruction and feel absolutely gutted and hate what I've left. And and so even at the workplace that I left recently, I, I wanted to leave without drama. I wanted to leave without, you know, without being a sassy bitch. I wanted to just, you know, do my due diligence, finish my work and leave a man, essentially. And so the question really is posed where I wanted to go forward from that. You know, throughout my life, I always had this issue of jumping from one project to another, from one idea to another, you know, because deep down I'd love to go right now, right now I'd go back to streaming, the old one. I'd love to just like play War Thunder, whatever the old the old patches were, stream, play video games, uh, blast music, you know, joke around. And it would have been, would have been fantastic. But the ultimate issue, the ultimate underlining issue, I felt is that it's not, necessarily doing something it, it might i might still be contributing to society but i'm not contributing to me and you know ego boy at the end of the day needs something to fuel that sort of inner desire that inner fuel um and i i, I, I agree quetzal i agree that that war from there is gone it's impossible to go back i absolutely agree um and it would be senseless to try to go back you know there's always that little desire there's always that little little sort of sliver of hope but ultimately I've lost the passion for gaming. It's not so much that War Thunder is a bad thing. It's, I spent, I think I think three, three times now I've spoken to JJ, which you know, and his brother. And we had some discussions about games and where they're going. And we're sort of all having this relatively similar opinion that video games are not really going much. The single player games are reaching staggering costs. I heard now there's a, Harry Potter moving, uh, Harry Potter game coming out at 85 euros, which is ridiculous, like at 85 euros, like what am I getting? Like free Slytherin merchandise? I don't, you know, I, I don't understand how the prices can be going so high for something as simple as a video game. Considering that when War Thunder was a thing, I think the full cost, the full-blown cost of a five-pack pack, it was like a, it was five nations in the game, only planes, but there was a pack that contained one premium vehicle minimum from all the nations, and it was like 120 max, I think, at the time. It was a very, very, very good, very good thing. At the end of the day, we crave with memories and exaggerate our emotions from them. 
we absolutely crave memories. And they're, they're poisonous because you remember a lot of things that are good and you might forget a lot of things that are bad. That's how it happens for me. I tend to forget the bad. I tend to only remember the good. So in the spur of the moment, I'll only remember all the good about my ex. I'll remember all the good about my old workplace. I'll remember all the good about streaming or War Thunder. Even though there was a moment at which you reached the point where you were like, holy crap, I cannot continue doing this. This is unhealthy for me. This is bad for me. This is going to be the end of me. Be all, end all. But we do it. Absolutely we do it. But I think we're also drawn to it, you know. Nowadays we're drawn to this kind of this kind of drama, which is very unlucky. Um, yeah, just real quick, I wanted to thank the supporters today. Um, Yulkanizer, Lumbernack and Scottish Koala, thank you so much for subscribing. It means a lot to me. Thanks, boys. You think that memories are just recreations based on what we felt in our brains? They're not hard drives to store information one-to-one to reality? Yeah, but you got to think about it. We have What we've done is we've created a world where we surround ourselves with only positive information. If you open up Instagram and you open up your feed, whether it's your friends, your family, your loved ones, or just random people, you'll see that the majority of it, like 99%, is just positive stuff. It's all very happy, right? Everybody's living a happy life. Everybody's getting married, having kids. It's all, it's all very happy. You do get the occasional... Um, sort of story which is posted which is a bit of a rant or maybe somebody has a you know something to say and it's not to say there aren't people that you know stir up drama on social media because obviously they do but the majority of what's posted is trying to say hey look how amazing my life is and nobody really wants to talk about the bad Um, and I think it also creates a loop and the loophole that we created is that people can't really talk about their bad stuff right because when you're surrounded with all positive information you're less likely to actually go out there and say, listen, I've got a problem. There's something bad that I want to talk about. There's something inconsistent I want to talk about. Because you're putting yourself into a really weak position and you don't necessarily want to do that. Which, yeah. Meanwhile, the news and 99% death and despair, that is a really, really good point. That's, That's a really good point. But there's a reason for it, right? Because if you're a news channel, and you have a choice between, say, you know, horrendous death of, of XYZ person versus, hey, somebody famous got married. Who's like, What's more likely to get views, right? Drama, shit happening, people shooting people. That's, that's what makes clicks. And this brings me to, you know, YouTube. And this is why, why I had, um, and I still have this huge problem. I have a huge problem in my life with empathy. I don't have it. I feel like I don't have empathy for people. And it's made dating difficult. It's made life in general difficult. There are benefits to it for sure because, you know, you, you can be more sort of brute and um, and direct and more rational and realistic. But the ultimate problem is that when I was doing YouTube content and I felt, I could be wrong here, but I felt like what I was doing was trying to be honest with the titles, honest with the thumbnails, honest with the description, honest with the content itself, to post it in this sort of, you know, open, honest way as what it is, right? Because if you're selling a pencil, you say this is a pencil and it's either a a blue or a red or black or yellow or whatever the, the color of the pencil is, that's what it is. And at that time, I realized that everybody around me was doing something different. They were going for the clicks. They were going for that sort of, you know, like 
anything that gives me more viewers and in turn more subscribers and in turn more money. But what I hated seeing is that I, at least my theory was that if I did this in the long run, what I would end up with is a YouTube channel that has a lot of numbers, a lot of clicks, but very little rapport, very little this, right? Very little people that are gonna stick with you for a long time, people that are gonna be interested in your life, people that are gonna be interested in what you do. And I think so many people fall into this rabbit hole because if you think about it, news channels, they're just another news channel and your average YouTuber you're watching, again, I think is just another YouTuber you're watching. You don't necessarily get to build any kind of relationship with them. And that kind of sucks. So Spitfire, you think that it's fine that people learn that that's your brand? You just forge ahead and ignore the fakes? Yeah, but I mean, ultimately the problem is that you're in the in the business, you're in the market business. I saw this really clearly when I was doing um, essentially what I could describe as mass Tinder dating. This idea that you just go on, on date after date and what happens is that you're basically selling yourself, right? Every time I was, in, I got, I got kind of addicted to this, and I still, even when I was in a relationship, I was missing the first date experience, right? None of the other things, just the first date, because you have to pitch yourself to the other person. You have to sort of convince the other person of why you are a good candidate for whatever it is that you're interested in. Obviously, if this is friends with benefits or one night stand or dating. And um, for sure, that's um, is deteriorating, I think. The channel was quite successful. So there's a demand also for being an honest content creator. Yes, it was successful, but I also had my, my, my negatives, right? I was very offensive to certain groups of people. Because I don't, I'm, I'm a disagreeable individual. I, I love disagreeing. That's one of my favorite traits. Like no matter who I talk to, um, the other day, this is a great story. I shared it on Instagram actually, but I, I was putting my uh, dirty cycling clothes into the washing machine. And before I could finish doing that, I got a, there's a ring at the door and it was the Jehovah Witnesses. Now, Usually, when you have Jehovah Witnesses, I'd be like, yeah, sorry, I'm not interested, bye-bye. But, because I have this new kitten now, that's six months old, he was trying to escape. So I had two options. Either I'm, I'm just like, bye, and I close the door, or I do the human thing, which is to step outside, join them outside of my own house, and have the conversation. And I did that. And it was two older fellas. It was an older dude, like 75 plus, um, with, I could assume, maybe his wife or whatever. And... Dude didn't even have a hearing aid in, so he could barely hear what I was saying. But I was disagreeing with absolutely everything the guy was trying to say. And we had a brilliant conversation. Brilliant. But I was trying to make different points. You know, he was asking me what I think is the meaning of life. And I said that I don't think there is one. That, you know, life is just a, a scale. You know, we're born on one side, we die on the other. What we do in between doesn't necessarily have to mean much. Right? We can construe meaning, we can be religious, we can you know, have our goals and journeys and whatever, but ultimately, you're born and you die and never to be seen again. Um, and another thing he said, he was like, okay, but how do you how do you believe that um, that God can, you know, how, how can the universe exist, or how can our world exist without God? And I said, okay, sir, imagine a piece of bread, right? If you leave it outside, it's going to get stale and it's eventually going to get moldy. That piece of bread is earth, 
and that mould are humans, right? We're here to eat the sandwich. This is this is a brilliant, brilliant bit from uh, from Joe Rogan from one of his very early stand-ups. And at the start of the stand-up, he's driving in the limo, and he he has this explanation, and it's a brilliant explanation. I'll never forget it. And it should be clipped somewhere, made a made a standalone clip. But essentially, what he says is that he feels like humans are like the bacteria on a bread, right? And if you're flying on an airplane past like Chicago or Los Angeles or New York, right? And you see this this mass of buildings and skyscrapers, that's like, that's that mold on a bread, right? And as nature, you can come and you can throw hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and earthquakes and fires and the shit just rebuilds. Right, it's like a little mini version of coronavirus just stuck with us for forever. And as he's explaining this, and I'm thinking about it, it's like, it makes sense, right? And obviously, his, he, he still has a very comedic explanation. He, he goes and says, you know, I think we're here to eat the sandwich, right? So he, he sort of plays on this idea that maybe humans are put into this place to ruin it, to destroy it. That's, maybe that's our purpose, right? Which would also justify why we are doing what we're doing. Um, that's still something you can have a huge, huge, um, huge debate about. It would be a mad conversation. Absolutely, man. I was like, oh, I'd love to have a microphone right there and then just record the whole thing. It'd be absolutely brilliant to have that conversation. You don't think that empathy is something you either have or don't have? It's like a muscle. You can grow and get better at practice. No, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree. Because I used to have a lot of empathy. And then I think throughout late high school when I was learning more about the world and for sure about that time of era. I mean, you know, you're a content creator. The majority of your viewers are, I always say they're 12-year-old American kids, you know, running around with mum's credit cards, just being offensive because they're anonymous and they can be offensive. And I sort of developed this, this deep hatred for people just because of their ignorance, because it's either all about money or it's all about um, power and whatever. And it, just tr try to be try to be a person. And to this day, I meet people, and I've met people in professional environments. I'm not going to name them. I'm not going to. I'm not here to belittle them or anything. But I've met these people that they have what I consider to be a really shallow life. No friends. No really. No family. No hobbies. And you know, there's there's this thing where I just want you to be a human. Like, I want you to be a person and, and treat me as a person. And that's where I cut the line. It's like, if you're not going to treat me as a human being, right? Um, and that's not to say that you, you... I think you can be a dick to people and still still treat them as people, right? Don't dehumanize people, though. Because I'm, I'm mean. I'm mean to people. I see a person walking a dog. That dog takes shit. The person doesn't pick up after the dog. I'm going to tell the person. I'm going to be like, look, either you pick that up or I'm going to pick that up. And bet you it's not going to stay in my hand. It's going up your fucking gob. You know, I'll I'll do that. I've got no issues with it whatsoever, right? Mostly because it's in a setting where that's a random person. Might as well treat them as an NPC. They don't know you. They're never going to see you again. So, you know, tell them. Tell them that thing. This is why I find introverting or introversy or intro, intro, introvertedness such an interesting thing. Because I used to believe I was introverted. Until I realized I wasn't. And now I have a feeling that either it's 
it's like empathy, right? It's like a muscle. You can you can learn, or nobody's introverted. That's how extreme my thought process goes. I, I do think sometimes, like a Sith person, I do think in absolutes. I love the idea of this thing of playing with absolutes, but absolutely, absolutely, I think that there's there's so much you can do to become more extroverted. Um, but the trick is, I think the trick is hidden in energy. Now, if you've ever met people, you know that some people give you energy, some people take energy away. Some people you'll listen to and you're like, wow, and you start soaking it up like a sponge. And some people they're talking, you're just like, ooh, ooh, these eyes, you know, talk to the hand, like talk to the hand, bro. And I, I realized that the more you surround yourself with people who are also extroverted, who know what they're doing and who have energy to give, your life just sort of lights up. Your life becomes so much more enjoyable to be about. And on the other hand, when you surround yourself with people who are very negative, people who soak up energy, you're going to feel cold. You're going to feel just disgusting. How many people similar to you do you know? You're curious. People similar to me, you're going to have to define that a little bit more because on one hand, I could, I could you know, understand that as people who are gamers, but ultimately, I know very few people who are like me. And that's that's the beauty of it. I've always, when I was growing up in primary school, I was told that it's good to be different. Or at least, every, I think everybody back then was told, you know, it's good to be different. It was almost like a bully protection system. It was this idea that if you tell everybody, every kid, that he's unique, then he won't feel bad if someone was to pick on him. I think that was the, the mentality back then. Uh, ultimately, the problem is if everybody's unique, nobody's unique, right? The snowflake principle. Snowflakes are all different, but they're all snowflakes, which sort of takes that away. Oh, people with lack of empathy. Okay, that's an interesting question. That's a very interesting question. I don't know. I honestly don't know, because I think empathy is something we don't necessarily talk about, right? I don't think you go around the world with your empathy level of, you know, scale of one to 10 written on your forehead. Um, I think empathy is something that you show in cases of, uh, you know, it comes out when it comes to like, somebody dies, something bad happens, when you have to show it, it definitely shows. And in that regard, I'm not going to say that I don't have empathy. I, maybe, maybe a better word would be, and thank you for making me correct myself. It's the sort of range of empathy, right? Like I'll give you an example. I, I'm a cat person, right? I love, love cats. And nothing hurts me more than seeing a cat on the side of the road run down. Because what it does is, on one hand, it makes me love cats even more. Right? It makes me respect my cats more. Because they're not dead. Because they weren't the one to get mowed down. But on the other hand, I understand that the reason that cat was mowed down was partially because of its own fault, but partially because somebody was probably driving too fast. And that person was a human. And I realized that seeing a cat on some level gives me empathy towards the animal, but it takes empathy away from the human. And when you hear stories about what people do to animals, how they throw them away, right? This cat that I just 
this cat that I've um, adopted some almost that was found under a car with a broken hip, right? Crying in a parking garage. There's only two explanations. Number one is that the mother of this cat left it there because it was injured or crippled. But I think the more likely explanation is somebody dropped the cat there. Right? Somebody had the cat and they were just like, yeah, don't need this anymore. Fuck it. And that's where my empathy just abruptly ends, crashes down. And that's where I I don't feel any sympathy for that person. Right? Like I don't I don't know if this is fair. I don't know if it's fair for a person who people who litter. I do a lot of cycling. I go out there in, in the hills in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the forest with a mountain bike. And I see people's, you know, tissues and, and, and COVID masks were a thing and It's not like I want that person to get hit by a bus, but if that person did get hit by a bus, it wouldn't make me any less sad. I hope that explains it. That that's the empathy lack that I'm that I'm sort of talking about. It's like at that point I don't care who that person is. I don't care who his family is. The the fact that he was capable of doing that, he's lost my reputation for being human. And this is where you you, you know, again because I'm thinking in absolutes because I'm thinking in extremes. I start thinking could you put a system in place where a person who does that, right, this is China level, China level of uh, of controlling your people, but if, if there was a system put in place who could figure out, hey, this person was doing illegal littering and, and threw, you know, his old garbage from his old kitchen in the middle of the, the forest, this person is now dehumanized in my eyes. I would, be, I would sign that immediately. Is it more about respect? I don't know if it's respect. It's like, I really don't know if that's just... Yeah. I think it's just common courtesy, right? It's a common thing of being a human. Just today, today I was riding, I came up to the top of this the top of this hill. There's a massive parking lot. All these people, they come with their huge gas-guzzling cars, park them, and then go for a stroll in the forest looking for mushrooms or, um, or, or chestnuts or whatever, right? Or they just go have a meal at the top of the, the restaurant at the top of the hill. And there's this guy who's standing in between two bollards, blocking the way for me, smoking a cigarette, and just as I was about to pass him, obviously he didn't get out of the way, so I had to like really scoot and like lean myself, and just as I passed him, I could see how he just threw the leftover cigarette on the ground, and there's a trash can like not 10 feet away, and my mind just starts going like, almost goes angry, it almost goes like I want to, it's not that I want to just tell him, you know, go put that into the, into the bin, it's like, you start making leaps because you see one person do it and you see another person do it and this this meter of like hatred towards these type of people starts to climb. At the end of the day, you're, you're, I'd love to just slap him across the face, right? He wouldn't know what the fuck happened or why he, why that happened. But it's, hmm, just be a human, you know? Just be a bloody human. So it's, yeah. I agree, it's something unacceptable. It's something that should not be happening. It reminds you of a guy that you watch jaywalk 10 feet away from a crosswalk. I mean, we all jaywalk, right? It's Again, it's, it's also contextual. This is why... I don't know why this makes me think of the old Twitch, because I know when I started streaming on Twitch, um, you could almost... Look, I hate using 
those words. But like the N-word, namely, was one that you could almost accidentally say, right? If it was like in, in a funny context or like in a playful context or in a song context, I felt there was less of this locking down on what is contextual. You walking 10 feet away from the crosswalk, I don't mind if it's not hindering somebody else, right? Freedom of speech, even if it leans towards hate speech, still fine until it specifically targets somebody. If you're going to be a pig and litter, do it in your garden. Do it on your property, right? Go to America, go to Texas, buy a huge ranch, right, with a forest and a lake, and a. then you can throw the shit there. But don't do it in fucking nature. Love. That's the frustration. A man should live to be an agent of order. Living as an agent of chaos is one of the most evil things a man can do. Yeah, but there's there's one quote from one of the best movies of all time that brilliantly captures that. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Right? And ultimately, since empathy is something you can learn and unlearn, you can also learn and unlearn morals and ethics. They're not... These are human-only learned attributes, right? So if you if you live life like an animal, you realistically wouldn't care about those things. You theoretically would not care about whether or not you're littering, about whether or not you're... Um, you know, causing harm to somebody else, because why would you? So there's this, you know, contextual problem again. What does it mean to be human? Where are the limits? Where does a person just stop and go like, oh shit, I've done something wrong? Because that's the most difficult thing to do. I've been in my life so many times in positions where I had to like stop and think and be like, fuck. I think I might have been the asshole in that conversation, but it's hard to do. And you know, if you go to school, very few schools will teach you how to argue. Fewer schools will teach you how not to argue with your emotions. And this is what people do so often, right? People will have their their emotions mixed into the argument and you will go nowhere with that discussion. What I love is I love people who are open, people who are able to be like, okay, so I disagree with you. And, but you've made a really valid point. So theoretically, now I agree with you. I've, like, we have something in common. Let's let's focus on that. Let's work on that. Let's develop that. Let's get to a point where we're both like, yeah, bro, this works. You can totally agree with you on that. One of the favorite rock formations from my childhood has been the face super heavily with graffiti in recent years. Just makes you sick. Like, I don't mind graffiti. You know, if it's on an old uh, on an old train, yeah, I don't mind it. It adds some color to that, you know, gray, oxidized surface of the of the of the metal, right? But there's good graffiti and there's bad graffiti. For example, I was blown away. I was in I was in Rijeka in Croatia. Um, last, um, I was actually there quite a lot throughout this year and the end of last year. And on one of my cycling trips, I found this house where the entire facade on one side was just painted with pictures of cats. And I stopped, I took a couple of pictures, and I looked at it, and I smiled, and it made my day. 
right? And that's graffiti. But it was a good kind of graffiti. It wasn't the whole, like... And I, I can even understand gang signs, honestly. If you live in a particular city, I guess it reminds me of, of GTA San Andreas, but I can understand gang signs, right? I can understand... Um, another great one in Croatia was football clubs. So an entire area will be just covered with flags of that or the logo of that football club because that's just something that everybody there is into. And it doesn't feel unnatural to see, right? Like, I, I assume if you go to, to Munich and there's pictures of Bayern Munich there, you'd be like, oh, it makes sense. We're in Munich. This is their local place. This is, you know, where the local stadium is. What is it? Allianz Arena? It makes sense for it to be there. But I think the issue, again, is that there's so many artists who go to the store and get their graffiti spray and then they just make random shit they just write whatever blobs off, right? Just because it's cool. It's like something hip. And most of the time, I think it's kids. It's kids who've got nothing better to do in life than to, to do graffiti. You know, they're not artists. They can use the artistry as an excuse. I don't necessarily think that it brings much. But yeah, the fact that they're defecating, you know, and they're, they're ruining statues and, and monuments and... That that sucks. Well, like I don't know. I think there was a I forget. I saw it on Reddit. I don't know if it was a it was a tree or something like a really ancient tree, and somebody like was was carving the names into it. Or um, yeah, it's I don't know. But there's always somebody. There's always somebody who feels like they just have to be an asshole for those five minutes, and I feel like. We don't hold these people accountable enough, right? Because in the old days, in the old days, I think punishments were much greater. That's for sure. But also, the level of humility, right? I think what people these days don't have no more um, is is the feeling of what it means to be humiliated, right? And I'm not talking like, you playing chess and you get your ego destroyed. I mean, like humiliated, right? When like you're you're shown off to the entire tribe or the entire village. Because as soon as you move into a massive city and you have suburbs and you have, um, you have all these different um, town sections, right? Regions. Theoretically speaking, nobody cares, right? Your lives get more complicated. You're constantly in touch with millions of people, social media and such. Um, you could even make the argument that the internet's gone so boomy that anything that might, you know, going to say everything that's on the internet stays in the internet, but you're given so much information on a daily basis that you've forgotten what you were watching yesterday. Because when I was on the internet five, ten years ago, there was way less content. You know, I remember days where, and I had, I think I had about a hundred subscriptions to YouTube. So there was a hundred different channels I was subscribed to. And every day I would watch all of them, right? My YouTube feed, I was, and this is also another thing. I remember the old YouTube feed was like this. It was just one single column of YouTube videos. It wasn't all over the screen. It was one column of YouTube videos. And you could see exactly which one you've watched and which one you haven't. 
to at a hundred subscribers, hundred hundred subscriptions, I was still able to watch all the content. Nowadays, there's so much that I have to filter through. Like, okay, this is okay. This is a clip of that one, and this is this and this, and then you finally click on one, and it's just like ten minute video, three minute advertisement, one minute outro, bullshit. So the question posed is. Yeah, it might be on the internet, but do you even remember anymore? Does it even be like does it stay somewhere in your noggin or does it just disappear? So sketchy. One of the things that makes you hate humans are people who write at football matches and ruin the event. You really don't like watching it, but you hate the supporters even more. Yeah, this is this is the problem. I mean, I have this issue and I've used this argument um about dogs. I'm not a dog hater, okay? I might be indifferent to most dogs, but what I do hate is I hate the dog culture, right? I hate the whole, oh my God, look at this puppy. It's like, I don't care, right? I think a dog is a beautiful creature, has a lot of potential to be a useful animal as opposed to a cat. I think a cat is ultimately useless, right? Cats were used as machines to prevent rodents. That's it. That's all a cat does. Sleeps, catches shit, eats, shits, sleeps. Um, that was back in the day. Nowadays, if anything, it brings rodents in. So on the scale of usefulness, you know, it goes goldfish, guinea pig, cat, and then there's a big gap, and then you have a dog and a horse. Right? Now, the argument that I'm going to make is this. I think a dog that doesn't serve a role, whether it's a hunting dog or a truffle-finding dog or a, a guide dog for a blind person or a, a support animal, that dog is going to be as useful as a horse that you can't ride, right? And unless you're growing horses for horse meat, which is still quite popular in a lot of countries, right? But most people don't. The issue there is that I don't see the point of it. We've reached a point where you have dogs you have to take to the hairdresser. The hair, I don't even go to the hairdresser. I cut my own hair, right? But the hairdresser, that I'm going to have an animal that serves no purpose and I have to also take it to the hairdresser so it can look cute. That is sick. But ultimately, we've done that. We've crossbred dogs so that they look like whatever that dog looks like, right? So... Or the fact that pit bulls are inherently seen as bad dogs. Because there's numbers to support it. Because there's videos. Every other day, I see a video on Reddit of some person getting mauled horrendously by a pit bull. And they'll say, it's not the dog, it's the owner. I agree, but it's not the owner who bit your face, it's the dog. And the, at the end of the day, the dog is going to be put down, not the owner. If in these situations... And this is again. This is I love thinking in these absurd ways. But if you, if if there was a bad owner and that bad owner has a pit bull and that pit bull mauled um, a, a a twelve year old child, right, or killed them straight up, um, don't put down the dog. Put down the owner. Then, if it's the owner's fault, why are you putting down the dog? I mean, you can you can go into these extremes, but it's. It's it's crazy. 
It's crazy. But yeah, people have done that. They've they've bred a, a breed of dogs for for fighting. You can't be surprised they're going to do that. Underlyingly, a dog is is a descendant of a wolf. And an animal is still an animal. People have lost this idea that just because we're humans, we we control. One of my favorite favorite podcasts of all time was between Joe Rogan and Mike Tyson. And it's Mike Tyson explaining how he realized how fucked up in the head he was from all the cocaine or whatever he was doing to have a tiger as a pet. But the truth is, if you look like Mike Tyson, and you are Mike Tyson, and you pull fights like Mike Tyson, and you take drugs like Mike Tyson, then, yeah, you you feel like the alpha human, and you're going to be like, yeah, I can have a tiger as a pet. You can, until that tiger kills you, because it's a fucking tiger, right? In any other circumstance, you'll be, it would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Because it's Mike Tyson's like, yeah, yeah, I guess you could, right? It, it's having an animal is a huge portion of responsibility. You got to take care of that thing. If it's a dog, take it for walks, pay for the training. There's so much cost also associated with having a dog that people don't think about. It's like having a kid, except that with a kid, you also have some like, um, there's benefits for people. If you have a kid, the, the country can then subsidize some cash because, you know, let's say you're a single parent or whatever. And then, you know, poor people will have the tens of kids because it's free money, essentially. They're not going to give you free money for, for having a, an aggressive pit bull. You know, country's not going to be like, oh, I see that you're poor. You have a, an animal that has a tendency of being aggressive. Let us, you know, give you money so you could because you can't afford it. Why do you have a dog? You know? So it's, people cling to the idea of the blank slate when it almost never applies. Both animals and humans have a nature. It's often brutal and nasty. Society with a moderate barbaric nature. Um, blank slate is a brilliant, brilliant thing to talk about. And I know where you brought it from. I know the community where you brought it from. Uh, it's a good community. Um, but blank slate is, is really, really bad. I've always looked at humans as animals. I know that humans have animalistic instincts, that we have desires and passions and, and ways that we do things and there's no changing it and it would it would kill to change those things it would kill to change what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman what it means to be a cat and a dog right because can you imagine a dog meowing and a, a cat moving it would just it would not function there's a reason why we have this whole thing set up the way we have it it's called a groomer not a hairdresser thanks for that correction man it's Called the groomer or a hairdresser. Damn. It's def- a, a, a profession I would not want to have. French bulldogs have been bred to have shitty lives? Yeah, because they can't breathe. And that's it, it's painful. It's painful to see a breed of dogs that, that cannot breathe. And then they just look deformed and it also does not it doesn't appeal to me either. I don't know, I don't see the, the cuteness behind it. You know, seeing a dog that cannot it can't walk normally, can't breathe normally, it's it's leaving its saliva everywhere, it's ugh. But uh yeah, those are the differences I guess. That's what we're sort of forced into or we play around with. It's painful to see. It is painful to see. You know, it sucks. And we don't talk about it because, you know, most of the time we're not supposed to. 
we have to be politically correct and nice and you know everything's beautiful does it ever bother you how much value money has in this world yeah but it's not money really it's power right money doesn't have value money gives you power and the power is the value i think does it bother me no because you have to get power from somewhere the problem is that the average person doesn't get the opportunity to get to the same level of power. And the issue is that ultimately, if you have enough money, you can buy anything. Right? I had this really funny discussion the other, the other day with, uh, with a colleague of mine. You know, like, how much money for you to be gay? <laughs> There's a limit. How much money for you to, to do anything, really? You know, want to jump off from a balcony? You'll, you'll do it. For a certain amount of money, you'll do it. Everybody's got a price, which is which the sickness. So it's bad. So, yeah, underlying that's the, that's the case. Um, we have to debate one more thing. We have to talk about the schedule. We have to talk about the... Um, Scheduled for October here. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this video up on YouTube as soon as we finish the live stream. I'm going to see what people reply to and then I'm going to do one or two things. Either I'm going to delete everything <laughs> or I'm going to I'm going to run this as a, as a weekly or a double a week show, something like that. Have a conversation, depending also what, you know, people ask us questions and so on. Because I'm quite curious what people actually want to know more about. What their um, what their obligations are. Oligarchs jump from balconies. Yeah, well, the problem is that money doesn't inherently give you happiness. You know, money doesn't inherently make you a better person. It doesn't give you meaning, if meaning is something that you're after. But I feel like a lot of people just end up being quite sour. You know, they work their whole lives to do a career. They get the career. And then to look back at their life and they're like, holy shit, I've missed out on so many opportunities. I didn't travel. I didn't meet new people. I didn't try all this food. And then it's too late. There's a lot of fears that we have. And that's why I want to spend a month of my life just sort of getting back to the roots of things. Working out meditating, thinking, just evaluating everything, figuring out what the correct way is to proceed. You mean delete everything? No, I'll never delete everything from YouTube. Never would do that. But YouTube has also been a bit of a scapegoat for me. It's been a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a waste almost. Because I always feel like I want to put something more out there. Either that or just leave it as is. Just disappear, you know. You mentioned leaving your old job, going to a new restaurant. I was talking about this in the beginning. I haven't decided yet. The reason for it is because I've applied for a completely different job. Actually, now that I, I think about it, I've never quite explained what that job is. I applied for a social media manager, which is a position that I've been actually interested in trying out. For a long time uh, but it's for a local company for a very interesting company and one that would 
in the long run, I think, return a lot of the empathy that I've lost. And that was my lead interest. Um, good pay, good conditions, good environment, um, and, and a change of pace, which is something I'm quite interested in. I'm always curious about jumping into, you know, a new challenge. I like that. Uh, but I've also decided that if, if I do not get accepted, the first place I'm going to most likely is a pizzeria because I have this core desire for working with dough. Either that or a, like a, we have a couple of these rustic bakeries where they make fantastic artisan bread. And, you know, you could do that at home, but frankly, if I can do that as a profession, you know, one or two years. Because the, the culinary world is built in this system I think you do a job for a little bit and you, you swap and you swap and you swap and you swap and then if you do find something that's like your thing then you stick into it it's not marketing per se but I'm thinking also for next year's goals right and I mentioned before one of the goals is cycling one of the goals is to do um, one of the goals is to do races I am um, there's this thing called cross-country which is a loop race, and I really, really, really want to do it. I really want to get into the whole um, racing and get the thrill of it, maybe win some, right? And to do that, I need to have free weekends. <laughs> free weekends are not a thing in, uh, in the world of food. Because you wake up on a Sunday and you're like, well, I want to go eat in a restaurant. Guess what? Somebody's got to work. Somebody's got to work. You don't think that waste, it brings smiles? Yes, but the, the ultimate problem and the underlying problem is I don't feel like it's a waste either. But I used to say I make a living from it. So it feels unrewarding doing it without also doing it full-time. Which is also a, a red flag of its sorts. Because it's not really a career. It's a it's a job. And that's that's the, that's the inner, inner dialogue all the time. Every day, all day. You know. I understand that. I understand that you'd be happy with whatever content rolls out. But content takes time to make. For me to make a, a video using a GoPro, I have to figure out the settings, do a bunch of recordings, upload it all to the computer, edit it all. Right? That's money. That's time time consequently is money um, that could be better spent doing more productive things unfortunately I started to respect time a lot more um, specifically you know I was in a relationship for the last I want to say a year and I was traveling a lot I was driving a lot because she was studying like 130 kilometers away you know and you have to drive there you have to drive back that's a lot of time spent on the street it's a lot of time spent um, moving and if you then add to that time you're going to spend editing and creating content which you know might entertain a few people might get a bunch of people to just unsubscribe because it's not something they're interested in I think it's not the greatest of ideas I understand what you're saying Slowig. I completely understand and I too have a I have this repulsion to social media because I too have thought for a long time now of just getting off of everything. You know, I've thought of even removing Instagram, just disappearing off social media, you know, just living life as is. 
focusing on on none of that. And maybe it would be it'd be fun to try it, you know, for a month or a year. Um, but I'm also chasing happiness. I'm chasing the sort of the dream, you know, chasing that sort of next thing. And I'm stuck in a bit of a, a gutter at the moment. I felt that my levels of energy have gotten down. I feel like there's a lot of things that are left open that I haven't finished. It's almost like I've, you know, opened 12 different books and read through 30 pages, but they're all left unread. And it's my duty to start by picking up a book, finishing it, closing it, and moving on to the next one, one at a time. Because ultimately, I think deep down, the stuff that I love the most, the stuff that I'm most excited about, um, they're also counterintuitive to what is currently popular. You know, I'm a fan of long form video content. Everybody around me is a fan of short form video content. So ultimately, I think I'd be most happiest if I could talk to people. This is why I wasn't so against working in a kitchen because you, you talk to people all the time. You're always having a communication. You're always sort of, you know, Oh, here's a new coworker. Blah blah blah. I get to meet them. You know, the favorite guy I've met um, was from the Philippines. His name was Randy, and he was uh, he was a dishwasher. Absolutely loved the guy. I'm gonna miss him. You know, such a down to earth kind of person. It really, really makes you appreciate culture because ah, just something entirely different. Really, a really unique, unique individual. Ultimately, right now, again, what I want to do in October, I'm going to work on my thesis, finish that, get one book out of the way. Um, because I'm going to have some free time in the evenings, I want to do a little bit of streaming. and I've, I'm 99% certain what I want to do is blast good music and play chess. Because that's really the only thing I've got left that interests me. It's the only thing that I, I can do on stream that at the moment is creative in the sense that I'm actually learning something, challenging myself with something, um, and it gives you content. I don't really think there's much more than I can offer than that. Um, the only thing that comes to mind is, again, having conversations with people, you know, bringing somebody in as a guest, having a, a full-on podcast. Um, but that is something that I want to hear from the community. That's why I'm leaving this to the comments of the YouTube video and, and just seeing what people think. They're going to throw some ideas out there and then we're going to figure it out. Would you consider teaching something on YouTube? Yeah, but teaching them what? I have this issue with teaching. I'll tell you what it is. I adopted a philosophy. I adopted a, a really, really important philosophy in 2020. That's when it started. That's when I began. I said, okay, starting from the 1st of January, I'm going to live life differently. And then every year... You know, obviously things happen and, and you sort of just adjust it a little bit. You sort of, if you think of, of, of it like uh, if you're editing a video, editing an audio thing and you have all these levels, right? You have all the different, you know, treble and bass and mid. Like that visualizer at the start of the stream that I do, right? Essentially, you just tweak one a little bit. Okay, and you make a little bit of adjustment there, a little bit of adjustment there, a little bit of adjustment there until... It works until you feel like it functions again. And then a new knowledge comes in, a new experience comes in, um, and you, you tweak another one of those variables. And I would love, 
I would have nothing I'd love more than to be able to, to talk to people and tell them, look, I want you to, to make changes in your life. But what I feel is unfair, what I think is unfair, is to tell people how to live their life until I feel like I've not necessarily lived mine, but reached a level where I'm fully content with it. Right? I would feel like I would be almost lying or, or attempting to be deceitful if what I was saying, I didn't believe it 100% to be true. Like, this is what, maybe this is what hurt me about Waltham, though, was because I felt like I had the necessary info, but there were certain things in the stats that didn't work, you know, like certain, like maybe certain of my KDs were low, or um, there were certain matches that I've screwed up, or there were events where I was raging in, raging in chat, and then people would use that as a counter-argument. And I know you're not supposed to let all these things get into your head, but I feel like, you, you, you know, you shouldn't be telling people something until you've mastered it, right? So I don't want to go down the path of trying to preach before I've become a proper preacher. Um, but, but it is, you know, if I had to choose something, to, to teach people, it would be my, my philosophy, yes, to simplify life. That's what I've called it. I've called it simplify life. But it's it's a philosophy of generalizing and, and making things simpler. You know, 2.99 is 3. Simplify it. Everything's simplified. And unfortunately, it leads to a discussion which can very quickly become um, phobic for a lot of different things. Just because... You're saying all the entities are the same, right? All cucumbers are cucumbers and all men are men and all women are women and all this is this and all dogs are that. And it's uh, Some people view it as maybe primitive, but I found that they clarified a lot of things in my life. And that was, um, that was the emphasis, I guess. When it comes to the low emphatic ability, there's also nothing wrong with that either. I've been struggling with that myself too lately. Things feel stale and you feel like, although you can put yourself through the shoes of another person, I feel it's not the same as it used to be. Well, ultimately I think what we've got is we've got energy that we have to, you know, sort of force somewhere. I, I feel like it's too invasive. It might be too invasive to just go and say, look, you know, your life sucks. <laughs> Change it. Um, but that's how I feel. That's how I feel about gaming right now. I feel like a lot of, you know, young men and they're just throwing away their lives playing video games because I feel it was a waste, even though I built a community and I had fun and I found music and you found music and I made money from it. And yet you know, I have all these pluses, you know, like if I... If, if there's two suitcases that I've carried throughout my time in the game, one was filled with all the good stuff and one was filled with all the bad stuff, rest assured, the one filled with the bad stuff is half empty. But when you draw the line at the end of it, you look back and you think, well, there's a string attached to that suitcase. And there are suitcases behind that you're dragging with you, Right? That suitcase needs other space. It needs some stuff from other portions of life too. So it is a challenge. It for sure is a challenge. 
you know, that's one of the things I've learned to sort of appreciate. I always keep saying, you know, if, if everything was easy and everybody would be doing it, right? If it was easy to, you know, be the best at running, everybody would be the best runner, right? That would defeat the whole challenge behind it, the whole idea that you have to work out and, and invest and, and train to get to a point where you can say, well, now I've really accomplished something. So I'll have to think about it. But ultimately, I've I've also stopped caring about a lot of things. I, I've tried to stop worrying. Um, but there's a gut feeling. There's There's been a gut feeling in, in my... Well, for as long as I can remember, actually, for a lot of things. And I tried to eliminate the gut feeling from entities that I'm sure are the case. So, you know, if I'm in a workspace and that workspace isn't working out for me and I start getting the gut feeling that maybe it would be better if you left, then probably it's better that you left. But then sometimes you'll get gut feeling for having left something and you, maybe you'd like it back. And so the question is posed, how do you evaluate? How can you put yourself into this third person? Because what you have to do sometimes in life is almost like take your body, pull it out from the back of your head, right? Have it be behind you, staring down at you. You almost want to put yourself into a different person, observing what you're doing, what you're saying, and think, he's on the right path, he's on the wrong path. That's what you want to try to do. But it's insanely hard, right? It's insanely difficult. Jen, thank you for supporting the channel, man. 59 months is a mammoth achievement. Thank you, dude. I really appreciate that. So yeah, it's it's difficult to to make these decisions in life. It's difficult to say, okay, there's there's this future I want to join. There's this um, for me, I've always had the fear of missing out, right? Fun. This idea that and maybe it's best explained in relationships. I don't know how many of you have had this, but you're in a relationship, and you would rather be single. Then you're single, but you'd rather be in a relationship, and you you sort of. But what you know? But what? What do I want? And I'm 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 always trying to find the underlining problem. I've always considered myself to be a problem seeker, not not in the sense that I'm, I look for problems, but I look for the core of the problem. So when something isn't working, back when it was I don't know, the game. Right? If we're talking about War Thunder, my sort of inner feeling, like my what I was sent here to do, was to find why something doesn't work and like if we can fix the core of it everything else will fall into place um there's a brilliant movie actually there's, there's two movies like this that i can i can think of um one is where they have to drill a hole i forget what it's called it might be called like the core or something but they, they build this basically this this train with a drilling bit and they're drilling into the core of the earth to detonate a bunch of bombs, like nuclears or whatever, so they can restart the core of the Earth so that we don't die. And the other one is where they fly a spaceship, and that one's called Sunshine. Brilliant movie. And in Sunshine, they're trying to get to the sun and then fly into the sun and again throw a bunch of bombs into it so they can restart its rotation or whatever, the flares, so that Earth doesn't die. And in both cases, I feel like it's a brilliant description of what you're trying to do in life for yourself in life for a business or other people's businesses you're trying to get in there and be like okay but this is also a disadvantage right 
because I've had I've been in three different work environments under that same company when I was working as a cook. Uh, in the first one, I didn't stay long enough to really be able to find things that were wrong or that I would consider wrong. But in both the other ones, I immediately witnessed there was a problem, right? You would see all these things that the manager was doing wrong and these things that the head chef was doing wrong and the head service was doing wrong and the communication was wrong here and here. And what you start tried to do is you tried to sort of be light, right? You'd be like, try to do a little bit of this. And, and it is the exact same thing that I think most of us did on YouTube, we were playing this game, some stuff was bad, some stuff was really bad, some stuff was great. And so you make videos and you sort of try to point those problems out. And you say, okay, look, I like this and I like that, but I would make this tiny adjustment here. And nothing happens. And then you, you try it again and nothing happens. You try it the third time, nothing happens. At this point, that anxiety starts to build up and you're like... Oh. And you burst. And you go like, okay, but well now I'm going to just throw all the shit at the table, right? Now I'm going to sit you down and say, look, this thing you're doing is rubbish. And that's where you have a, a clash. You have almost like a conflict. Um, and yet, that's how I've always preferred doing things. And this is why I would, I would have an issue, for example, trying to be a teacher, which is what Scottish Grandma pointed out. I would feel unjust or incapable of just being like, look, you're doing these five things great, but this one thing you have to change, right? I feel like I might be a little bit too aggressive and be like, you know what, you're doing these five things wrong, and this sixth one is rubbish. <laughs> and that's too much for a person to take, because it's too much, even though it might be constructive, it's still too much information that's coming in. So, ultimately, I think you have to find a lifestyle that works for you, and you get all these things to sort of click, 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 click. And then it becomes better. And I believe I believe in the snowball effect, which uh, I think works both ways, unfortunately. The snowball effect really just, just tells you that something starts to function. All other things also start to work. In 2020, we were hit by COVID. And okay, some stuff was pretty bad. But that is when I started training. That's when I started like really riding my bike, really putting in the hours. And I noticed that with every day, I was growing stronger. I was having more appetite, not just like literal appetite, but appetite for life. And I was feeling less and less depressed. I was feeling less and less sad, less and less emotional, less and less, you know, distraught. And it just kept going up. And then things start to accumulate. It's like another good thing happens, and another good thing happens. And it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant feeling. But it works both ways. Right? Something bad happens, and another bad thing happens, and another bad thing happens. And some people, I've, I'm lucky that I didn't have this, but some people have their closest ones, parents, blame them. They're like, well, you know. Now, ultimately, yes. Ultimately, you are the reason why things have failed. Who else is there to blame? Who am I going to blame that, you know, shit didn't work out with War Thunder or shit didn't work out with an ex-girlfriend or shit didn't work out at work? Who else is there to blame but yourself? Um, but if your entire life, early life, when your brain's still developing, you're being told, you, you, you are the one who fucked this up, that can make that person really have a hard time evaluating it, right? Because they will just feel like a failure. 
So it can be a really, really unfortunate chain of events for some individuals and it can lead to a really, truly distraught and bad life. And there's psychology behind this. And I, I'm so, I get so quickly pulled into things, but I love that part where this reminds me of good single player games, right? like The Witcher, where you open up the game and you're instantly just like sucked in and you could spend hours reading on it. And I've had the same the same effect happen to me now on cryptocurrencies and and a certain podcasts or, or, or longer form videos that are open and they're just like, they just suck me in, right? And, and that's the sort of path that I want to have about life. It's like everything that I do in life, I wanted, I wanted to have that effect where like, whether it's a girl I'm dating, whether it's the work I'm doing, whether it's the, the passions or the, the little bits, I want them to just like suck me in, you know, and have this, just be, that I want to always be there and always be experiencing this, you know, and it gives me the high and it gives me the experience. Because um, if you reach that, I think what happens is the bad stuff becomes boring, right? If you can reach that level, drugs will become boring, porn will become boring, a boring conversation, sorry, will become boring, all those things that are bad, dopamine release from TikTok clips, they'll become boring, right, and if you can, if you can reach that level and port to sort of a higher, higher meaning, I think you're golden, but we're also taught by society, day in and day out, and this is getting worse and worse. People are being taught to look for happiness. They're being taught to look to be happy all the time. And that's we're going around the world thinking, why am I not happy? You know, why am I not? And you start looking for escapes. It's like, okay, if I play this game, I'll be happier. If I, you know, if I was, if I had a girlfriend, I'd be happier. This is a, a classic one. You're not supposed to feel happy all the time. It's not. It's not natural. It's not normal. Can you imagine if every person in the world right now for the next 24 hours was just happy? It would be scary, right? You'd walk into the bus in the morning, everybody's smiling, everybody's in good mood. Scary. It would not be natural. Um, one of the brilliant things is the rule of three. So this is, this is to do with working out, but the rule says one third of the time you should feel great one third of the time you should feel like meh nothing special and one third of the time you should feel like dog shit because you're working out because you're doing something that's not comfortable right the illusion is that everybody's being happy when many are just pretending yeah because we almost have to pretend every social interaction you have you have to pretend that you're interested or you're you know, every time you meet somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm really interested. I'm really not. But we've been taught, you know, that we're not always supposed to just say what we feel. And this is where I, I find it funny because I'm one of the people who tends to be more, I, I lean more towards tell it to you straight and soak up the consequences as opposed to pretending and soaking up the consequences. I'll tell you what I mean. This relates, for example, to our situation at work that happened, so my, my old workplace. Um, 
nobody in the kitchen was happy. Nobody in the kitchen really was happy with how things were going. There was constant conflict and arguing and yelling and just a bad work environment. Now, as a worker there, you have two options, right? There's a meeting coming. Either you, A, speak out your mind at the meeting and risk offending somebody, which could make continuing work problematic. Or number two, you do nothing at the meeting, you pretend there's no issue, and then continue working in an environment which you don't enjoy. Either way, right, your outcome is bad. But the mentality people have is that if we don't speak out on it, they can't hate us for it, right? People want to be neutral. People love being neutral, right? And this is why it's funny, because if you, if you ask people whether they're like conservative or leftist, they'll be, the majority, they're trying to be like, oh, I'm somewhere, you know, like maybe I lean a little bit one way, maybe I lean a little bit the other way, but I'm sort of in the middle, right? I'm like, people never want to like, one of the questions I loved doing when I was when I was dating, when I was doing this mass dating fest, I would ask girls on Tinder, are you a cat person or a dog person? And the majority of the responses was, I'm, I'm more of a dog person, but I like all animals, right? Like, wait a minute, no, because this is like night and day, right? I, this is how I think about it, at least. You're either a dog person or you're a cat person. I don't think you can necessarily be both. But the answer has always been neutral. It's like, well, I'm, I'm a dog person, but I like all animals, right? People want to just be neutral. And so nobody, like nobody has the balls to lift up their arms and say, well, actually, actually, I belong to one of the extremes. We've almost been taught that being, you know, on one of those two poles is a bad thing to do. Um, and I think it, it's pain because ultimately what you're having to do as a person is always be neutral, always be in the middle, always be the sort of, you know, I call those people chameleons because they're like, you know, if I'm not neither a dog person or a cat person, then every time I hang out with somebody who has a, a dog, I'm with them. But then, and I'm like, you know, and what they'll do is they'll do this, right? So I'm hanging out with a guy who's got a dog and I'm a cat person, right? I'll just pretend to like his dog. But ultimately, I don't give a fuck about the dog, right? Like, I don't hate him. This is, you know, something that changed my life was, I thought the opposite of love. So if you have, over here you have love. Over here, you've got indifference. You don't have hate, right? And then you have indifference here, and then you have hate here. And I'll explain. this Because this is brilliant. It's brilliant. Let's say you're in a relationship, right? You're dating this girl for 10 years, married, uh, engaged, whatever, right? And she cheats on you, whatever. She does something horrible, right? You don't hate her. You, you can't. I'm convinced that you cannot go from loving somebody to hating them. But you can go from loving to indifference, right? You become indifferent to them. What I also believe is that you could go from hating somebody, right? like you meet someone and they're just a cunt. They're like an absolute cunt. And you're like, oh my God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're a horrible person. 
I think you talk to them. I think you talk to them. And they have an opinion on something and you actually agree with them. And you're like, okay, I don't hate you, but I'm, I'm still quite indifferent to you, right? I'm, I still don't agree with 99% of the things that you live for or stand for. Now, can you make a leap from hate to indifferent, from indifferent to love? Perhaps. Perhaps if enough time spent. But absolutely do I not believe you can go from one extreme to the other. And I, I, I'm trying to find another example where a person can make that jump. Like another one of these opposites where you could go, right? Because what you can do is, you, let's say, if we replace the word love with like, you can like and you can dislike, right? And I'll give you an example. Uh, there was this... I think it was a mango yogurt back in 2006, 2007. This local company made this mango yogurt thing. And it's bizarre because I'm not a huge fan of mango. and It might have something to do with this experience, but I loved this yogurt a lot. Right? Like I loved it. I loved this. I like this yogurt a lot. I want to eat it all the time. Until one day, I ate too much of it. Now I dislike it. Now, luckily, they stopped making it. It no longer exists. But this happens. You can like something and then start to dislike it because it was too much of it. But I don't think you can go from loving it to hating it. That, that jump, I don't think, exists. So it is, um, yeah. You would say that you're a dog person. However, you don't think that you're more responsible to own either a dog or a cat. So you'd like dogs too. But if I had to choose it, it would be cats. Yeah, if you had to choose it, it would be cats, right? If I put a gun to your head and you had to tell me honestly whether it was cats or dogs, that would reveal whether you're a dog person or a cat person. But you, you can tell very quickly. You can tell because, um, I'll tell you right now, the majority of women, for example, are dog people, right? Like, oh, good puppy. And it's, it's completely fine. It's fine. I, I, would, I would even go as far to argue that there's more dog people than cat people in the world, but I, I might be wrong with that. Maybe there's a research somewhere. Yeah, somebody can link it. Uh, but but <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I do believe there are some polarizing things about us, and it's right for it to be. It's right for it to exist. For you to have somebody that loves something and somebody that hates something, but to exist at the same time, kind of unlike. Man, I've missed ranting. I've missed ranting about things. Absolutely. So I, I very much look forward to what kind of questions people will put underneath this um, stream, soon to become video. Um, hopefully it's some interesting stuff. So let, let's talk about the schedule actually here real quick, because I've got a Excel sheet that I've been working on for a little bit. And um, essentially, I remember my old stream times were Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 7 to 10 p.m. CT. And that is roughly roughly the time that I'll be prepared to do once more because that is it's, it's not a bad kind of time it's evening people are used to it so I don't think Tuesdays Thursdays and Saturdays was a bad schedule to have um, for sure I'd love to have Mondays off and Fridays off because it just makes sense so Tuesdays Thursdays and Saturdays for me was a, was a really sensible sensible type of way of doing it and those days would be pretty much um, exclusively chess or just classic times. But yeah, you can't promise you'll be around. 
it's 4 a.m. It's very difficult to catch all the times. And unfortunately, it's really difficult to catch all the times. Uh, this was a problem that I knew. Um, people in Australia and Asia, they just can't catch it. Um, realistically, the best time to stream would be somewhere between, I want to say 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. my time. But I do not want to stream that late at night. So a... Um, so a decision has to be made there. But I think for the time being, I'm going to just stick to Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, just like we had it, because I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, used to saying it, and we can stick to that for a week, and at the end of it, we'll do a little evaluation. So what I propose is that we do Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then either the Saturday stream is, is another doom time, or that we do an extra stream on Sunday, depending on how the how the feeling is going to be. Um, and we'll evaluate from there. So yeah, this has been a, an hour and a half actually thus far. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you guys the option to ask some questions just to get a little bit more discourse going because I think I want to do this for another two uh, another half an hour. Um, I think two hours will be plenty for a first timer. Plus I have no idea how big the file size is going to be. Again, I, I'm sort of winging this. I'm entirely winging this whole idea um, because I didn't have entirely a whole lot of time to set things up. So I'm going to let you pop your questions here. And then also people who are watching on YouTube, I, any kind of suggestions for, you know, if you want things to be moved, if you want things to be added, if there's like any, Twitch has all these effects you can have, um, logos, blah, blah, blah. Uh, ultimately, the majority of viewers, I think in my case, are from Europe and America, right? Um, and so Central European time, evenings, that's where most people are free. Again, I'm basing this off of the old schedule I used to have, but most importantly, the, um, well, the experience, right? Everybody streams at these times. So, but this was always a problem. Back when I was streaming War Thunder, if I had the opportunity to stream longer, I'd probably stream from 7 p.m. to 1 or 2 in the morning. And maybe that would have grown, grown everything bigger. But again, Walthner had a bigger problem back then. Walthner had a much bigger problem, um, which at heart was that there just wasn't enough people streaming. Now the numbers have sort of gone up, but I don't think they have... Uh, yeah. If you end the channel, will you recreate something to replace it? No. No, if I... If I do end the channel, I think what I would do is quite literally just um, private all the videos uploaded after the Gaming Addiction Saved My Life, leave that video as the last one up there, and that's it. That would be... Um... This is a really good question, right? So generally wondering where do you place self politically, if you're comfortable sharing that. Um, I'm a... It's actually a funny one, but I think what I am is I'm a... I'm liberal when it comes to being able to be debating, but I have conservative values, right? I think I'm actually very conservative, but I'm open to a lot of liberal ideals, but mostly the fact that I'm I'm liberal when it comes to debating. Like, you can always debate stuff with me, and I'd love to, to see people pop ideas in and out. I'm also tough to debate, because I go, <laughs> I stand behind the things I stand for ruthlessly right because 
as I went through life, I trialed and tested almost everything that I believe in. And so, because that's the way I love to do it. I don't like the idea of leaving something un, unfinished. I'll, I'll try it. I'll test it. Once it works, like this is it. I, I consider it a fact. And from that point on, and maybe you could make the argument that once I say something is factual for me, as it becomes truth and I internalize it, that I would also become emotional about it, which would theoretically make it a bad thing for the argument, right? Because when you're de when you're when you're debating em emotions and opinions, it's a bit of a, a bit of a problem. But yes, ultimately, I think I would say that I'm on the conservative part of the spectrum, but with a lot of liberal ideas, right? Um, I'm I'm far from a super base giga chat Catholic Catholic sorry uh, I'm actually agnostic I don't believe um, I don't believe in God so is it yeah well, I agree it's very difficult to debate very difficult to debate because people will put their emotions into it and they'll they'll try to um, yeah but I guess that's a fun part. You think the problem with Warthno had is that Warthno is just not a very watchable game for most people? I I disagree with that. I think the problem it is. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking the wrong way, right? But if you open up any game on Twitch, you'll find that the top twenty of their streamers are all the best players at it, at largely. Okay, there are exceptions. There are uh, large streamers that will play, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, mini clip game, like something challenging but simple, like a mouse clicker or whatever. But the majority of games you'll open, all the top streamers will be the best players in the game. And the reason for that is because you as a viewer, what you're drawn at, you're drawn at skill. You know, what's boring to watch about War Thunder is the side climbing. What's boring to watch about War Thunder is is all that time when nothing's happening on the screen. And the way that we countered that as players was that people didn't mind side climbing if you can keep them entertained for those five to ten minutes and then give them the dogfight of their lifetime. The problem with Wolfner was as the game was developing, we were having less and less of the cool stuff. Right? There was a point where nobody was doing jet matches anymore. If you open up, I think most most of it, it boiled down to top tier. So you're either playing top tier tanks or you're playing top tier jets. And and viewers, if you want to grow viewers, sure, holding your player base is one thing. But if you want to grow viewers and you want to get more and more people and you want to get followers and you want to get donations and, 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 and subscriptions and so on, then you have to pull in the newcomer. You have to pull in the guy who started playing yesterday. And he's interested in the stuff he doesn't have. That's why he wants to watch. That's why people say, oh, when's a dev server? Because they want to see the stuff that perhaps they can't get their hands on for months or years to come, right? They want the forbidden fruit. And that's the only thing they can get. So there, there was a lot, a lot of play. I mean, it's a, it's a huge sort of cesspool of variability when it comes to War Thunder and why it did or did not succeed. Funnily enough, I think for video content, it's good. I think if you if you want to do YouTube, and people have proven this, and cause I, I had a little look yesterday and today, 
at Walthamers community on YouTube, and it's massive. There's a lot of people right now making content. Um, and, you know, they're taking over the, the OG Walthamers, because, like, people like Baron left, and Entac back in the day was huge. Fly Daily hasn't posted in, like, three months. Um, you know, Slick B and me haven't been active. Um, so there's new people that come in to take their place, and it's only right to do so. Um, I think it's I think it's an enjoyable game to watch. I think it's a challenging game to to make content, good content on. Um, but the problem with streaming was one entirely different, and that is that for you to be good at War Thunder, to record it, edit into a, a video, whether it's funny or educational, not that hard. But to do it live, match after match, stream after stream, that's the hard part. You know, it, it's difficult. Because I remember going to these matches, you know, and you would duel somebody for, for you, you would duel somebody 20 times and then lose once and they'll be like parading how you're a loser. And it doesn't make sense, right? But that person can, and this happened, this was the example with bookends, and I've spoken about this, it was a, it's a brilliant story because the the video he edited was was marvelous. And um, and I hold no, no you know, ill to, will towards him. I think he's a great fella. Um, but essentially what he did was he took some stuff that I said out of context and he took some matches that we had in, in a dual format out of context and he made it look like I'm a, I'm a you know, b idiot basically, which to a certain extent I was. Um, you know, and, and to people who knew me and who knew how that matches went, it's obvious that it's taken out of context. But for the average person watching, it's like, oh, this is entertainment value. Streaming was hard. Very few people were doing it. And it was, it was constant, you know, things going on. But I'll, I'll always say it, you know, like if you don't believe me, you know, there's clips up there where I was, you know, dueling people 1v1 with one hand whilst looking at chat and changing the soundtrack and doing song requests. And I loved it. I'm not complaining about it. Loved it. All I'm saying is that not everybody can do it. So for me, streaming's biggest problem is that you have to be operating at your highest point, at your highest level in order for it to be you know, as entertaining as possible. And to ask of somebody to always perform at the highest peak and be entertaining, you know, because I, I always felt bad. I always felt bad. Like, you know, I did a stream that didn't do that well. I, f I felt disappointed. All right, so give you to give you the most controversial opinion in regards to food and why. I don't know if this one is controversial, but I hate sushi. I hate the idea of sushi. I hate the taste of sushi. I, I even dislike people that are, like, that say sushi is the greatest thing ever. I genuinely don't understand it. So, yeah. All right, two more questions. I'll do this one because I like it. But you say you're a lean conservative. So you think it's a fair question to ask, what do you seek to conserve? I think in short, it's traditional values. Like in short, that's what it is. That's what I would be most interested in conserving. It's traditional values. To keep cultural differences there. I mean, in fact, to keep differences. Some stuff doesn't have to be changed. Some stuff doesn't have to be altered, right? I have this this theory, and the theory is that, and, and this is how I see it, right? And maybe I'm wrong, but in general, when it comes to politics, I see that the extreme level of conservatism 
to most people, is seen as restrictive. And the extreme level of liberalism to most people is seen as freeing, as in like the ultimate form of freedom, whether it's identifying, whether it's opportunities, whether it's um, anything, rights, essentially, right? Like the way most people, I think, view it is like the the conservative side is all like, Restricting and the, the leftist side is all freeing. My theory is that too much freedom will trap you. I have, a, I have this theory and it's is that when you when you give somebody too much freedom, you trap them in the universe, right? And I'll explain this quite easily. Um, I I start to understand this. So I was dating this girl, and she felt anxiety for, I guess, for death. Anxiety for how massive the universe is and how small we are. And it made me feel like, so if, if you step outside, right, when the stream is done, step on your balcony or, or walk outside the house, and look up at the stars, and you realize how, you know, the world is massive, and how tiny we are compared to Earth, and how tiny the Earth is compared to the, to the solar system, and how tiny the solar system is compared to the universe. That sense of how huge it is, how free it is, can, for some individuals, feel almost like they're tiny. And I guess it's like a weird level of of, um, of claustrophobia. Right? I Personally, I'm claustrophobic. I hate the idea of being in a tight space. I was watching this... Oh, a YouTuber called, um, was an internet historian, he uploaded this video recently called Man in Cave. I've only watched the 10 minutes of the one hour and 30. I was, I felt horrible because it's, it's a story about this dude that's climbing into this cave system that's barely, barely fits him and he has to like, you know, wiggle, like move his body to like a snail to crawl into these crevices and, and then the whole thing collapses. Anyway, I have heavy claustrophobia. But I also understand that somebody seeing the freedom of it can feel trapped. And I make this correlation, and maybe to people this is going to sound insane, but I think when you give somebody too much freedom, you trap them. And they will feel like there's no escape. Right? And I don't know, there's so many ways I could explain it. Almost like if you give the kid all the toys that he wants, he's not going to want to play anymore. Right? You give that person because that's what you're, you're trying to do. That this sort of at least that's how I see it. That's how I see extreme liberalism. I see it as this idea that we just give everybody all the freedom they want, right? Everybody's happy. Everybody's fulfilled. And I think in the long run, I feel that's going to trap people, and it's already starting to trap people, right? And you know, I, I know I shouldn't get political and I shouldn't talk about these things, but you know, maybe fuck it if I get banned. Anxiety is going up. Suicide rates are going up. You know, depression is going up. ADHD is going up. How? How is it that, you know, we're going to ignore the fact that there's war happening in Ukraine because the majority of us don't live in Ukraine or Russia. Um, most of us in the Western society are living lives better, safer, more secure than ever before in the history, ever, right? And and yet, the, the supposed freedom we've got 
doesn't make sense. Everything's better, but all these things are spiking. All these negative attributes of society are spiking, right? Something clearly isn't adding up. And it's it's a very, 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 very scary boat to be in, I think. So, it's... I had this really funny discussion, in fact, and it was it was it was on this topic, and I made the observation of BDSM. Right, BDSM is a topic that I was very very confused with when I got into dating, because um, I was a bit of a late bloomer, and I couldn't wrap my head around the fact: how is it that a woman would feel pleasure? from being tied up and her eyes covered and, you know, all this thing, right? Like, Fifty Shades of Grey idea. And then it clicked. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's, like, a this a, a funky thing. I, I, maybe it's called, like, the slave paradox or something. But if you take a slave, right, that slave is anything but free. But slave don't have to go to work, don't have to pay taxes, doesn't have to do this, doesn't have to... All these things that the slave doesn't... I mean, he doesn't get to do them, but he doesn't have to do them either. They're not part of his, like, he's not being constantly bombarded. He's got nothing, right? He's somebody else's property. In a weird way, that's freedom. I know it's counterintuitive, and it might sound bonkers to some people. But I relate this back to BDSM, and I realize that it it does make sense. When somebody allows, right, you, when you're in a partnership or, I mean, partnership, you're, you're, let's say, dating somebody or you're hooking up with somebody and that person is into BDSM, they want you to tie them up. You take away their freedom. You take away their responsibility with it. That person is now yours to use, quote unquote, right? Obviously, safety word and blah, blah, blah. But the idea is you're actually giving them freedom, which is weird. But yes, it's relaxing because that person doesn't have to worry about anything in the world. They don't have to worry about performing. They don't have to worry about, you know, saying or doing the wrong thing. They're just there. They're lying in your bed tied up. And it, it was, and when that clicked to me, I started connecting all these things together. And again, in my mind, I feel like, obviously, I don't want to say everybody should be slaves, even though in a way we are kind of are, right? We kind of are. I think what we are, we're slaves to a system. And now within this system, within being slaves to this matrix, we're now trying to give ourselves all the freedom. Right? Isn't that ludicrous? Isn't that ludicrous? It's like, imagine locking yourself, locking yourself into the ice cream fridge, right? And then eating all the ice cream. Great. You get all the ice cream in the world, but you only get the ice cream. You get nothing else, and you're locked in that fridge forever. So you are in a little freedom thing, but it's, yeah, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. You asked me about BDSM when you started this stream. Glad the train of talk led you to it yourself. I think your question was, if I don't, because I, I did read it in chat, it popped through. Uh, was it your opinion of me on it? I'm actually not a huge fan of BDSM. I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm a pretty vanilla person. Right, with a couple of chocolate chips here and there, but um, but I understand why it is appealing to people. I understand why 
Fifty Shades of Grey was a success. I understand why among women that book and that movie is is the the the, the thing of fantasies, right? Because you take away their ability to resist and you, you give them this freedom. And you have to think about it. But the more you think about it, the more you can start relating it to other things in life. So again, I believe you give people too much freedom, they're going to start to feel trapped. Because they don't know what to do. They won't know what to do. Vanilla ice. It's vanilla ice. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think what we've also done is we've failed history. We've failed to understand. You know, I hear all the time, oh, oh I would much rather live you know, 20 years ago. I'd much rather live there. And, you know, perhaps maybe. Yeah, maybe if I was born 10 years earlier, I would have been better. You know, I would have gone to do all the trans parties and all the raves and the, the drugs and the, you know, listen to music without your phone. Would have loved that. Sure. But, you know, is it? Is it? You could argue that somebody had a better life in, you know, a prehistoric era, you know, clubbing somebody to death with a, with a wooden stick. You could say that the guy had a better life because he had less things to worry about. Did he? I don't know. But, um, for sure. Even if it's more than just the sex alone, so the guidance and security you give? No, absolutely. I mean, look, intimacy in general is a sort of construct of trust among two people, m mainly coming from the, the females, right? Because I always joke this, but I say, if, if you, let's say you're dating on, a, on, a, on online, right? tinder or whatever it's a woman's job to figure out you're not a psychopath and it's your job to figure out she's not a catfish it's really all there is but absolutely i agree i agree you this is why i say i'm gonna i'm gonna make a weird connection here discardo but i'm gonna say this my favorite political system would be it's utopia for sure but it's a good dictator a benevolent dictator, right? So what you're saying is, I commit, I give you all my freedom. I, you know, imagine you give all your freedom, all your rights to one person, but you trust that one person. Wouldn't that feel amazing, right? If you had one guy or one woman or one entity or one couple, queen and king, you know? But ultimately, if you had somebody you could trust a hundred percent be in control of all those things. Wouldn't that feel freeing? Right? Because you can make the same argument with finances. You go into your bank and you're like, okay, look, I've got 10 grand here. I'd like to invest into stocks, right? Into the market. And then some dude there, right? Still fucking growing pimples on his forehead. is going to be like, yeah, well, you know, I've got this brilliant fund here. A hundred percent, nothing can go wrong. And you believe them. And you put your 10 grand to the bank, five years down the line, you get fuck all out of it. And they're like, yeah, happens. Right? Obviously, nobody wants to be in that position. But can you imagine if there's an entity that you could trust with your life? And it's funny because this turns, I'm going to turn a paper here, I'm going to make a full 360, I'm going to come right back to the start of the stream. I've always had an issue with authority. I, I just had. Right, I got into arguments with CEOs of Gaijin, 
I got into arguments with with some professors, I guess, in, in high school or so. And I did get into some huge arguments with bosses at my like work. The reason was this. I believe anybody can be a boss. Anyone. Pick any person in the street. Any person can be a boss. Right? All you need all they need is you give them power. That's it. Now, fewer people can be good leaders. In fact, very, very few people can be good leaders, right? Because a leader for me, I always think like it's a battle, right? And the leader is your general. The leader is your king. The leader is a person who goes not just with you into battle. He goes first and you follow him. He doesn't sit in the back fiddling his thumbs, right? He doesn't sit behind a screen. A proper leader will go with you and will die with you. You know, a good captain goes down with the ship, that kind of thing. And on top of that, another thing that we spoke about today is being a human. What I've found is that a lot of people that I've had as bosses, they were great bosses. Truly, they were amazing bosses. But they were either horrible leaders, bad people, or both. And there's no point having a boss who cannot also be a good leader and at least, at least a good human being. And so, for me, that's what it boils down to. If I lead whomever, even if I lead just one person, lead them with a, with a purpose that's greater than me, right? Not just lead them because... He's a sheep and I'm leading him to get slaughtered because I'll benefit from it. Lead them for an example. Lead them for a truth. Lead them for facts. Boys, gents, I'm going to wrap it up here. This was a beautiful two-hour long conversation. I very much enjoyed. Um, I hope I didn't jump from topic to topic too much, even though I know I did. But it's my first time doing this, I'm a little bit lost. This idea of podcasting is still a little bit, a little bit of a loose nut for me. Again, um, if you're watching this, you're watching this on YouTube after it was uploaded. So any questions you have, debates, funny stuff, people you'd want me to talk to, you throw that into the comment section below. I'll have a very, 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 very big read. Um, the schedule as of today will be Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and then throughout the week. I'll also figure out if we want to do the time on, on, a, on a Saturday or do it extensively on a Sunday, so do a fourth stream. Um, we'll decide about that, but I had fun here, and I'd love to have this conversation again and touch on some more topics, maybe take a topic that I've already spoken about, you know, go a little bit more into, into depth. Um, but I'm also open to look into some sources. I'm open to look at some numbers. I'm open to do a little bit of learning, actually, on stream. I'm, now that I think about it, you know, throw an idea out there, have a have a conversation, find some information, display it, and we can have a we can have a proper debate. So I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. And um we'll catch you in the next one. Take care and uh safe flying. Bye bye lads. Oh wait it's not a YouTube video, I can't do that. <laughs> oh what a pleb man. Anyways, next time.